Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 171. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Alison Pontier. The singer-songwriter from Dallas, Texas, recently released her second EP, entitled Shaking Hands with Elvis. In today's episode, we're speaking with Alison about what creative influences helped shape the EP, connecting with fans through vulnerability, and we discuss the music of Christian Lee Hudson. Here we go. Our guest today is a brilliant singer and songwriter who was originally born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Now calling Brooklyn home, she releases music that is a beautiful blend of Americana, pop, folk, and indie. And she recently released her second EP, which is entitled Shaking Hands with Elvis. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Alison Pontier. Hello, how are we? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm very excited that you're here as well. It is um, a very exciting time for you. Uh, there is a brand new EP out at the moment, Shaking Hands with Elvis. Firstly, congratulations, because this is a gorgeous piece of work. Thank you. It's only my second child. No big deal or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the second child might be a little bit, you you know what you, you're in for. You've already gone through the first. You're a little bit more well-prepared. I think so too. I think that like, to, to be honest, my my first EP was my first time doing a hundred million things. And this time I am very proud of it because I, I feel like there is growth. I love my first EP. I love this EP. I'm just happy that it can grow with me. 100%. I feel like this, um, having listened to the first EP and then the second EP, it definitely sounds like there has been, um, I'd, I'd say some sonic growth. It seems like you've expanded on what you already built upon in that first EP. And um, I imagine, and I, I imagine that this question is always very tedious, so I will apologize uh, upfront. <laughs> it seems like this EP is a beautiful blend of like folk country, uh, a little bit of Americana. Uh, there's some pop elements in there. I think you've classified yourself as alternative pop made by someone who listens to a lot of seventies country or folk for you, I guess, how do you, if you were to explain this EP to someone who had never heard it, what kind of elements or how would you describe it? Well, anytime I'm I'm writing a song, I really don't like to go into the studio and be like, let's write this kind of song or let's write this kind of like artist song or anything like that. Usually it just depends on what I'm really into at the time. So when I'm, whenever I'm making music, I'm not thinking about 
what genre it is. That being said, um, I do think you're everything you listen to. So for me, um, and this record specifically, a lot of like 70s rock music, uh, folk music, country music. And at the end of the day, I am a pop girly through and through. <laughs> I love pop music and uh, I'll probably, you know, make some version of pop music until I die. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's a, uh, that's a beautiful blend of kind of influences and everything else. Uh, I, I know that you're also quite a fan of if I've done my research correctly, of musicals and kind of B-grade movies as well, does that play into the influence sonically, I guess, at all? Sure. I mean, I think that one thing that was exciting for me uh, on this record was imagining what kind of movies uh, maybe it would be in the soundtrack of. To me, Shaking Hands with Elvis very much sounds like a movie that would be uh, like late late 60s um, <laughs> at the emotional climax of the movie. Um, and then in terms of musicals, I, I really think that the tradition of singing what's on your mind, um, I mean, that's what I love about songwriting. I, I think that the golden rule of musicals is everyone talks until they're too emotional and they start singing. So whenever I'm singing, I hope it's me exploring more of myself than I would if I was just like journaling or something. Yeah, of course. I think um, that is evidence in some of the songs. I think, what was it? The title track, uh, Shaking Hands with Elvis and um, Chasing a Feeling, both beautiful songs that I feel that kind of capture certain emotions that might be difficult to articulate just in words and that, that do require that little extra um, little bit of, I guess, emotion or, or singing behind it. With that being said, I know, you, as you said, you're a fan of musicals. Um, being an artist, because I believe that you don't just sing and songwrite. You're also a sculptor, a drawer. There's quite a lot of facets to your to your uh, to yourself as an artist, Alison. Um, could we expect at any point that there is a musical possibly in the works or something along those lines? I mean, that's my. That would be the goal. Uh, I'm at any point planning and daydreaming and thinking about doing some kind of a musical, um, obviously very campy and, and silly, <laughs> but still very heartfelt. Uh, my absolute dream would be to do a musical, whether it's a movie musical or a live musical. I just grew up watching them and loving them so much. I, I think West Side Story and uh, like Little Shop of Horrors were my comfort and my uh, kind of savior when I was a kid. So it would be a full circle moment. I would pass away. <laughs> Very fair, very fair. I feel that um, I might not have thought it at the time, but you mentioning Little Shop of Horrors, I feel there's an element of that in the video for Hollywood Forever. There's a little bit of kitsch in that uh, video that is just perfect and I think kind of suits the song very well. With with those music videos, how how much input? Because I, I it does come across that a lot of that is your influence or your kind of personality in those videos. Yeah, I mean, I would say that they're all... I mean, obviously it takes a village, but conceptually, like the videos are from me making crazy mood boards and drawings and being like, what if we did this concept? Um, I, I really, really love that part of the process. And when I write songs, I'm thinking about the video as well. Um, I'm thinking about visually what what's the movie I see in my head when I'm writing it, because that's just 
the kind of momentum that propels me through writing the song. Um, but yeah, it's everything. It's super fun. I also fully believed the lie that like every artist is doing everything on their own, like <laughs> coming up with <laughs> coming up with their own music videos, writing all their own songs, everything. And so I just thought that that was the expectation. So when I was uh, planning my my debut cowboy and and planning my career and daydreaming, um, I really saw myself as someone who creatively is at the wheel of the videos, the music, um, who I am as a person in interviews. Like I, I just want people to feel like they know me already and, uh, know that it's coming from me. Of course. I think that's one of the nice things about being an artist in the last 10, 15 years or so is that you can put a lot more of your personality out there and kind of have a lot more control, I guess, over your image and what is shown of you. But I also imagine that it is it probably is like a label's dream if you have rocked up and you've got everything all sorted for you because it makes their job a little bit easier as well. I hope so. I also think that that's what's different about being, um, I mean, obviously a pop star is a bit of a, you know, <laughs> big word, but like um, for what I imagine, what would be a, like a modern pop star, I think it's more likely that people want vulnerability. Uh, I think a long time ago, being a pop star, the untouchable quality is what made people excited. But I think now in modern times, like feeling like someone's your best friend, but can also do like a crazy, insane concert and be very talented. That's kind of the ideal now, which is convenient for me because I don't really like wearing spandex and (laughs) I mess up a lot. And so I think, I think like this modern view of, of what like a public figure is, what a pop star is, what a musician is. Like I, I really relate to it and I see it reflected in my fans as well. My fans, every time I meet them, they're all very, very polite. And a lot of them are very upfront about struggling with social anxiety or, or uh, speaking up. So I think you kind of get the fans that you put out in the world and I have very sweet fans. So. <laughs> I would not doubt that for a second. The music that you do put out, I imagine it doesn't invoke like an angry kind of crazy mob of fans. It, um, yeah. <laughs> crazy about your music. Yes. Sorry. Let me clarify. Crazy about the music. Yes. Just uh, not to insult anyone. Um, but I would agree. It kind of is this thing of that. I feel that, yeah, the modern day pop star, it's about connectivity. It's not about the elusiveness of it. It's more connecting and relatability almost. I, I, that's how I feel about it. And to be honest, like, that's how I connect with, with artists. A lot of the artists that I'm really interested in, um, you know, they are very upfront about themselves. I really like a lot of writers who have kind of like a dark comedy aspect to them where they, they write not so much about how amazing and untouchable they are all the time. They, they're talking about things they've gone through and maybe their own issues. Um, a la like Father John Misty or Christian Lee Hudson, who you also interviewed, um, which was so great. And I, <laughs> I love this video. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that everybody is so aware of themselves all the time. Um, maybe it is more comforting to be around an artist that's so aware of themselves. I would agree with that. I think that, look, I can't speak for everyone. Obviously everyone has their own taste, but um, if you were to go through my record collection, you will find more artists similar to that. Um, <laughs> I think that that do have that kind of personal touch to them. 
That being said, I do love Ariana Grande though. I'm just going to be honest. That being said, I love Ariana Grande. I love any like pop queen, but there is a good balance. I feel like she does a really good balance of being, you know, herself, but also being an absolute uh, icon. So this is just me (laughs) shouting her out. (laughs) I would, again, as I mentioned those records, you might find that there is one or two Ariana ones sprinkled in there along the folk and uh, more (laughs) singer-songwriter artists. Um, with, <laughs> I guess, going back to, to the start of, we're talking about writing and songwriting. Do you remember what originally kind of, um, inspired you to pick up a guitar or piano or whatever it was that kind of started that, that process for you? Do you remember what inspired uh, the beginning? So I, I've always sang, um, probably because when I sang as a child, my parents were like, <gasps> voice of an angel she has to sing for everyone at dinner in reality i probably just sounded like a regular (laughs) five-year-old but i always sing i sing in the church um i sang in choir and but i was deathly afraid of singing in front of anybody Uh, i was really scary and i i love to sing too but i think i was just really terrified of judgment and I felt super comfortable kind of getting lost in the crowd. So the idea of singing in front of people was so scary because it's the opposite of that. But the minute that I heard Imogen Heap and Regina Spector, I was like, wow, that really feels like the things I feel, but it's an actual artist, uh, you know, that has many fans. Um, Imogen Heap's Ellipse, Uh, was really big for me. I think I was like 13 or 14. It was like the first record I ever really, really got into. And it was the first concert I ever went into. Um, And all of those songs are about social anxiety or caring about the state of the world. And it was the first time I really felt like I was reflected in those songs. And in turn, because the way that I expressed myself was through singing. Um, I wanted to be just like her and I wanted to, to write songs and I would like sit at my piano and pretend that her songs were mine and I was playing a giant show. So <laughs> probably then. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very fair. That's very fair. Do you think that um, your songwriting process changed from, I know the uh, originally born in Texas and, and raised there and then now currently residing in Brooklyn, I believe. Do you think that that shift, because they are, I've been to Brooklyn. I haven't been to Texas, but I've been to parts, some of the states around Texas, very different kind of environments. How did your songwriting process or kind of creative um, process, for lack of a better term, change uh, in, in that move? Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think that, so when I first started songwriting, I wasn't like a like a prodigy child songwriter. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that when you start writing songs, you have to be good at it immediately or it's not for you. I started writing songs seriously and fully, like actually finishing songs when I was maybe 19 or 20 years old. Um, so I've only been writing for six years. And um, I started writing when I was in college. I went to school for jazz um, I am a jazz school dropout, not to brag, uh, but I, <laughs> I took a, a songwriting class and a lot of the, the, the songwriting um, exercises that I were doing were kind of just about getting out of your comfort zone, um, like picking random topics or picking random chords or trying to write something in a new way. A lot of it was just centered around getting out of your comfort zone. And when I first started writing, I really thought about other people before myself. I thought about what other people would think was cool. I thought about what it would feel like to play the song I'm currently writing in a bar of all of my closest friends and enemies. Uh, and that's a terrifying way to start writing a song. There's too many expectations. The song's never going to be as good as you want it to be if you put that many expectations on it. And um, now, like, the first song that I think really changed that for me was Cowboy. I wrote mm -hmm. Cowboy like five, five years ago. I mean, it was when I moved to New York and I met my girlfriend and I was struggling with coming out and I was struggling so hard that I wrote cowboy. And I think the reason that it was different is because I wasn't writing it out of, um, like vanity or insecurity, uh, wanting people to like me, wanting people to like what I wrote. I wrote it out of kind of necessity. I never thought it would come out. I didn't think people would be interested in a song like that, but I wrote it for myself anyway. And that ended up being kind of the blueprint for everything I make now. So, I mean, and I'm still learning and growing as a songwriter and every day I want to write things that are more true and challenge myself musically more. So it never really ends. No, I can definitely understand that. I know, um, I think the EP you worked with um, a few different songwriters. I think Ethan Grasco was one of them. Um, Ariel was another one with, I guess, how was that collaboration process for you? And, and how did you find working with, with um, people like that? Uh, well, for one, I mean, both of the people you mentioned and pretty much everybody, every single person that worked on the EP is incredible. Like whether it's for their own project or, or many other things they've done that I've loved, they're all incredible. And I look up to them, but also I just think like, we, we talk so much about writers and having co-writers and what is like, what does it mean to have co-writers in the room? For me, it means that I'm with my friends and instead of being really hard on myself, I have someone there for me who can give me immediate feedback. Um, I love co-writing because I love being in a room with people who love music as much as I do. And we all want to make something together. Um, when I write by myself, sometimes I'll walk away and I'll be like, good job. But when, honestly, when I'm like writing in a session, I'm always, you know, really happy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I accomplished something with people I care about. And I tend to be less hard on myself, even though I really like to 
lead and the ideas need to be mine. And I really need to feel like a huge ownership over the songs. Um, the people I work with understand me and we really do like have this relationship where it's not just about finishing the song. It's like the emotional support. So I don't know. I I'm, I'm always interested in wondering what other artists processes are like with similar songwriters and maybe their own songwriters. Cause for me, it has really been an exercise in like being kind to myself and having more fun writing. Um, and also just like, I mean, Ethan's, Ethan's incredible. He is also an incredible person um, and has taught me so much musically and just as a person, Ariel, I love so many of the songs he had before. So it was like a no brainer that we would work <laughs> together and enjoy making things together. Um, Every, every single song I have on this record is a great memory of a time where I accomplished something people I love and care about and felt really good about myself, even if the song was really hard to, to write for emotional reasons. So yeah, I, I love it. It's co-writing is like what has made me even more into songwriting than before. I can acknowledge it's probably a very unfair question to ask, but do you have a, maybe today to make it a little easier today, is there a favorite track of yours on the EP that might change tomorrow? Um, I think to be honest with you, I think that my favorite is shaking hands with Elvis um, only because it, it's like so emotionally relevant to me even now, it was a difficult song to write. It's about loss, so the loss of someone that I was once very close to. And um, I mean, taking the songwriting out of the equation, that song was there for me in a really, really hard time. And writing it felt like I had overcome something that felt impossible before. Loss is so complicated. Uh, it's difficult. And it never truly goes away. Whenever you're experiencing something like that, you kind of take the happiness and the relief you can get when you can get it. Um, so for me, shaking hands with Elvis kind of represents something bigger uh, than, you know, what I, what I'm normally writing about. Um, so for that reason, I would say that, that that song is really, really significant to me and I'm really proud of it. And it was also an amazing experience writing it. I wrote it with Mike Del Rio and Steph Jones and, uh, they're also such like incredible supportive people that made me feel safe enough to write a song that I was terrified to write. So, um, so yeah, shaking hands with Elvis. I have to admit, I didn't want to, I know that the song does have a sensitive nature to it and I wasn't sure whether to broach it in today's interview. Um, and I, and I won't go into it, but I do want to say that it is a gorgeous track. I feel that it kind of, um, addresses as you said it's it's about grief it's about loss and I feel like it addresses that in a beautiful way that the lyrics and I think the whole song as a a whole sonically lyrically it's a it's a unique take on it while still um you can feel the emotion in that song and I think it is a gorgeous song so I think um if if nothing just congratulations on that song because it is it is brilliant thank you and and you know I I want to mention just because uh in an earlier episode, I was listening to you talk to, to Christian Lee Hudson, as I mentioned before. Um, and I thought I would just mention the song Northsiders that he wrote is one of my favorite songs of all time. 
And I think that song, having to deal with, with loss, and it's not just about loss. It's also about the life of the person. And it's about so much more than, you know, grand sweeping moments or feelings. It really is about the little things that you share with that other person. Um, I think that song really influenced me and touched my heart in a way that um, helped me actually deal with this loss um, in a way that I just, I just felt that I had to mention. Um, it's a really beautiful song. And, and I think it made me really excited about songwriting after I heard it. And that those are always the best. The best is when you hear a song and you're like, wow, I, I can't wait until I, I can channel that one day. So I just thought I'd mention it. Of course, I can um, I can very much understand that there is a similar, I guess, intimate nature to both yours and Christian's music. Um, very quickly, lastly, Alison, we'd usually ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to. Is there a record at the moment that has uh, taken your fancy? Sure. Um, let me look at my recently played and I will tell you exactly what I'm listening to. Um, well, I have one answer that's maybe not the coolest answer in the world, uh, just because it I don't know if people will <laughs> listen to it and be into it as much as me. Um, I've been listening to Superficial by Heidi Montag. I've been very, very <laughs> into reality stars turned into pop stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely love the song. Um, highly recommend for anybody that wants to feel like they're in an early 2000s club. Um, other than that, something I've really, really loved is uh, Daisy by Kate Davis. It's uh, an amazing song about growing up and changes. And it's also rhythmically so exciting and interesting while still being a pop song. So highly recommend Daisy by Kate Davis. We'll put both of those in the show notes for today's episode. Oh, Alison, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations perfect. on the EP. It is Shaking Hands with Elvis. Um, but thank you very much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Simon. I appreciate you so much for having me and being so sweet and asking thoughtful questions. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Alison Pontier for her time. Shaking Hands with Elvis is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream the EP. We also want to give a huge shout out to Sam at Universal Music Australia for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, Please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning, and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.